Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to be in verses 15 through 20 this morning. Colossians chapter 1, uh, verses 15 through uh, 20. And as you're opening up there, uh, I do want to just say uh, what a wonderful Christmas it's been here at First Baptist Church. And uh, what a joyful time it's been for each of us and all of us. We've had uh, folks join the church during this Christmas and, and new visitors at the church during this Christmas and amazing worship during this time uh, at Christmas. And God's just been so good and so so kind to us. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who is so integral in, in making these things happen at, at our church. And we, we praise God for you and thank God for you. And, and just a reminder, we do have one more uh, Christmas celebration as a church to go this Tuesday night. Look forward to worshiping with all of you this Tuesday uh, at our Christmas Eve candlelight uh, service. Get, get here early, First Baptist folks, if you can. If you can make it here early, get here a little early and, and help make sure our guests know where to go and what to do and all those different kinds of things. There's a lot going on and, and choose a bad parking spot. And uh, we really tested it out today. I've not been out there to look. I don't check to see how y'all are doing on the parking, but on a rainy day, that's when you really know who's committed to taking a bad parking spot. And, uh, and so I just, if, I, if I'd have had my little pastor sign, I would have put it back up this morning, I think, you know. But uh, it's down in Barry's office, so we don't, I'm, it's being guarded. All right, if you have your Bibles open to Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, uh, why don't you go ahead and stand with me out of reverence for the reading, the words of our God. Paul writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking to us. Beginning in verse 15. He is, that is, Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Let's pray together. Well, Lord our God, we are so thankful to you for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And even now, Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts and minds to receive your word. And Father, I pray we would be changed by your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I think I've told you all this, uh, but it's always worth reminding you, I love Christmas. I, I love Christmas time. Honestly, I really mean this sincerely. There's not a thing about it I don't like. Um, I'm, I'm like a kid again every Christmas. I inherited something from my dad uh, when I was growing up. Every year at Christmas, I would get super nervous on Christmas Eve. Uh almost sick to my stomach, nervous, just excited about Christmas. And I'm kind of like that now. Have a hard time 
sleeping on Christmas Eve. I have a hard time uh, because I'm so excited about the next morning. I uh, can't wait to see what Santa brought the kids. Can't wait to celebrate Christmas with uh, my family. Let, let me ask you this. Uh, what are your favorite Christmas traditions? Just, just think about that for a moment. What, what do you like the most about Christmas? We, we love to go look at Christmas lights. We love um, making cookies. Of course, we love coming here on Christmas Eve for the Christmas Eve service. It's not something we've done in the past. It's had a Christmas Eve worship time, and, and so that's a new thing for us in the last several years. But it's become such a huge part of what we do as a family. And, and also, because we're so classy, what we like to do is afterward go to Waffle House. And, uh, and uh, some of y'all are like, yeah, that sounds about right, Alexander. And uh, we go to Waffle House on Christmas Eve. And uh, we enjoy that. Look forward to it every year. Christmas is so good for so many things. So many joys of life, so many sweet memories are made. Even now, many of us are making those good memories. And yet, in the ebb and flow of this week, as you go from place to place, meal to meal, present to present, activity to activity, I, I, I want you to consider, I want to submit to you this morning a primary activity for this Christmas season. Uh, I really want you to focus this Christmas on the theme of worship. I want you to think about worship this week. Christmas is for worship. I hope and pray you'll use this season as a time to worship Christ. I, I hope during this Christmas season you will see and savor and rejoice in and worship the Son of God whom we celebrate at this Christmas season. I hope you'll worship the Son. And this morning, my hope and my prayer is I can show you from this text three truths about the Son of God. We, we've talked about Jesus as Emmanuel. We've talked about His name, Jesus, that means God saves. We've talked about Him as Savior. We've talked about Him as the Messiah, the Christ. And today... Not only is God with us, not only is our Savior, not only is our King, but today about the divine, I want us to consider the fact He is the divine, eternal, fully divine Son of God. And I want to show you three truths that I think will lead you to worship during this Christmas season. Here's the first point this morning. First of all, worship the eternal Son. Worship the eternal Son. Centuries ago, there was a song that was popular in Alexandria, Egypt. And the name of the song was, There Was a Time When the Sun Was Not. That song was written by a guy named Arius, who came to be known as the heretic that sort of represented the Arianism controversy in uh, the ancient church. And what he proposed through these songs and through other popular means to folks was that Jesus was created. That he was another creature. That he had a beginning. There was a time when the sun was not. And praise be to God, we don't sing that at Christmas time. It's a terrible Christmas carol. Jesus got to start on this very morning. Might be what, you know, what we would hear now. No, 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 no. We, we don't celebrate that. We celebrate the eternal Son 
of God. Christ has no beginning. And yet, here in this passage, we see something interesting. Verses 15 and 16. He is the image of the invisible God, the what? The firstborn of all creation. And some folks take this verse and they look at it here and they say, well, that must mean that he was the first made of all creation. Not the firstborn, but the first made. Now, we do believe and confess that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. And and I would believe and confess that Jesus is eternally begotten of the Father. And yet, I think when we look at this passage, when we look at this language where it talks about Jesus being the firstborn of all creation, I I don't think it's talking about the fact that He was born or that He was begotten. I I don't think it's talking about that at all. I, I certainly don't think it's talking about when He began because He has no beginning. I think what He's talking about is the place of the Son. He is the firstborn of all creation. Some people will take a text like this or a phrase like this and they'll try to use it to defame our, our Trinitarian doctrine or to at least downplay or even reject the divinity of the Son. However, the, the, the language that's used here is, is used to demonstrate demonstrate that Jesus is in the utmost place. What else does he say here? He is the image. Image of the invisible God. Christ has made God known. I think when you look at this image of the invisible God and firstborn of all creation together, I, I think Paul very intentionally here in this poetic rendering about Jesus, I, I think he's really intentionally picking up language from the book of Genesis. When, when we're told that Adam was created in God's image and in his likeness. Those are, those are words and terms that contained royal imagery, royal connotations. They were oftentimes talked about the one who would be the heir to the throne or, or who would take the throne. And so we know when we see us, when we see Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve's sons and daughters, while we recognize that they were created in God's image. When we see us, we see someone who God created to be an image of Himself. We recognize that there's something about what God is like and who God is that has been given to humanity. That we reflect God's image in so many ways. We were created in His image. And yet, when one sees Jesus, one sees God perfectly. Not a reflection of God, not something about God, but when one sees Jesus, he sees God. He is not in the image of God, he is the image of the invisible God. The God whom we cannot see, we see in Jesus perfectly. We learn something about who God is when we see Jesus, when we understand who Jesus is. He is the image of the invisible God, and this phrase I've already mentioned, the firstborn of all creation does not mean that Jesus had a beginning. It's picking up language and imagery from the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 4, verse 22, God says, Israel is my firstborn son. Psalm 89, verse 27, the Lord says, I will make David the firstborn 
the highest of the kings of earth. Paul's picking up the language and imagery of the Old Testament to show us that Christ is the highly exalted king of all things with all the rights and privileges and powers and prerogatives and authorities that come with being the king. He is Lord of all creation. He is the image of God. He is the firstborn of all creation. And Paul is also demonstrating us to us here that not only is Jesus the Son of God, but He is also the new Adam. A, a new creation is coming through Him. We see with the way that, that Paul is picking up the Old Testament imagery and language here. But he doesn't stop there. For by Him, verse 16, all things were created. By Him were all things created. In other words, if you're still hung up on firstborn, Paul, Paul begins to, to, to demonstrate how Jesus is uncreated and eternal. I, I want you to see that in the text. I, I want you to feel the weight of what, what Paul is saying here. He is the firstborn of all creation. He does have prime position. Why? He, he was not created by God in God's image. He is the image of God. He was not created by God with His likeness. He is in God's likeness as the only begotten, eternal Son of God. And he goes on to explain that all things were made by Him. <coughs> One of the ways that we know that Paul doesn't mean that Jesus is created is because he says all things were made by Him. Implicit in that statement is that Jesus isn't things. He isn't made. He isn't stuff. This is all things. Things in heaven and things on earth were made by Him. Things visible and things invisible were made by Him. There is no spiritual reality, in other words. There is no special category of created being that was not made through Jesus Christ. By Jesus Christ. Thrones, dominions, rulers, and authorities... This is kind of a popular understanding of the, of the day, of the hierarchy and ranks of angels. And so what Paul is getting at here is that all angels, all spiritual things, everything, demons, nothing exists that wasn't made by Jesus. There, there's nothing that's above Him. He is the agent of creation. Not only was everything made by Him, everything was made through Him. He is the means by which God created the world. And furthermore, everything was made for him. So not only is he the means by which God made the world, not only is he the one through whom God made the world, but also he is the reason why God made the world. All things were made for him. He is the goal of Creation, And I want you to see so clearly here that all of history was moving quickly and, and frankly inexorably toward the moment when the second person of the Trinity, the very Son of God, eternally begotten but not made, would be born in a manger, would become flesh, would be man in order to die for the sins of the world. I want you to feel the eternality of Christ. I, I, I want you to feel the great grandeur and glory of Christ that existed before the foundation of the world, that there's never been a moment in all of history when there wasn't the Son of God. And that very Son of God, the Logos of God, the wisdom of God, the power of God was born 
like we were born. Not only was he born, he was born in a manger. Doesn't this lead you to love and adore God? And to marvel at his goodness at sending his eternal son to become flesh? I hope you will. I hope you'll worship the eternal son this Christmas. But second of all, I pray furthermore that you would worship the preeminent son this Christmas. The preeminent son. Verses 17 and 18. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be what? He might be preeminent, chief, supreme in all things. Let me ask you this question. What does it mean for Jesus to have preeminence in all things? What what does it mean for Christ to have supremacy in everything that is? Well, Paul gives us some answers to that question. First thing he says, he is before all things. There's nothing that is that is before Jesus. There's nothing that exists that existed before Jesus. There's nothing that exists that's ahead of Jesus. There's never been a time when Jesus was not before all things in both prominence and power. All things are downstream from Christ. Furthermore, in Him, Paul says, all things hold together. All things hold together. Yeats famously said, the center cannot hold. Things fall apart. A phrase that was later made famous by Chinua Achebe in his great novel, Things Fall Apart. And I think we all sort of naturally feel the way that things tend to spin off out of control. The, 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 the sort of way that things tend toward disintegrating. Things always feel just a little out of our grasp. And, and it's beyond our understanding at times even how just the physicality of the universe, the fabric and materiality of the cosmos holds together. What keeps our cosmos and our world from spinning off into oblivion? And I think that's figurative and literal. Christ holds it together. Christ holds it together. Christ keeps us from descending into pure madness through our sin. Christ holds the universe together. Christ holds the things in place that hold all that exists together. There's nothing inside or outside our world, nothing philosophically within or without of us that makes sense without Christ in the middle. In Him, all things hold together. The Bible goes on to say, He is the head of the church. It's a good reminder for pastors. It's a good reminder for church people. Christ is the head of the church. It's not our church, it's His church. He is the beginning, the Bible says, the starter, the unmoved 
mover, the uncreated creator, the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning. And the Bible says he is the firstborn from the dead. As in Adam all die, so in Christ all are made alive. He is the firstborn from the dead, the harbinger of a new creation. He is the resurrected one, the one has, who has overcome death and the grave. And because of these things, it means he is preeminent in everything. Jesus is in first place. And, and there's nothing in this whole world, this whole universe, which Jesus doesn't have first place in. Now think about this. It's first place in everything. 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 And he came to the world. And he was born not to be served but to serve. And we can't even be happy when they get our order wrong at a fast food restaurant. We can't even be patient with those around us. When we go somewhere, we demand to be treated a certain way. Do they not know who I am? Do they not care that I'm here to bless them with my presence? In this store, doing my last-minute Christmas shopping, do they not know that it's just a blessing for me to be here? And yet we're impatient, right? Whitney and I were at lunch yesterday, and we heard somebody say, folks are just not being nice out there. I thought that sums it up pretty well. It's not just, that's not just true at the summit, as it turns out. Folks are just not being nice way out there, you know, all over the place. And yet Jesus came. And all the things we think we deserve, He deserved and more. And yet we didn't treat Him as God. We didn't respect Him. We didn't love Him. In fact, by the end of it all, we sent Him to the cross. And what did He do? He walked there willingly for our sins and for our sake. The one who was preeminent in all things humbled himself to the point of becoming a servant, to the point of being born as a baby in a manger. Brothers and sisters, let it lead you to worship, to worship the Son this Christmas, to consider His glory and His greatness and His grandeur in contrast with the great humility of His birth, and oh, in fact, His death as well. We worship the eternal Son made flesh. We, we worship the preeminent Son born as a servant. And finally, we must worship the divine Son. We must worship the divine Son. Verses 19, 20. For in Him, in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile himself all, to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. In Him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Something we need to understand about God, there was no division of will in the Godhead. That which the Father willed, the Son willed, and the Spirit willed. They, they all worked in concert to bring this glory about, this glory of the incarnation. Jesus is fully God. Jesus is fully man. And it pleased God 
for this to be true. The Father is fully pleased with the Son. And furthermore, the text goes on, it was the Father's pleasure as well to reconcile all things to Himself through Christ. You see, God is reconciling both heaven and earth to Himself through Jesus. He is taking us who once were enemies and making us his friends and not only his friends but his family and how is he doing it and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven how making peace how by the blood of his cross don't think for a moment that the gospel is cheap. Don't think for a moment that in the monumental grace and amazingness of Emmanuel, God with us is enough. Don't think for a moment that Jesus being preeminent in all things is enough to save you from your sins. Don't get sucked in to the mere sentimentality or the fun of the season or or the joy of family. Enjoy those things. Have a great time with those things. But worship Christ. Why? Because Christ died for your sins. He has made peace by the blood of His cross. As the great hymn says, Mild He lays His glory by, Born that man no more may die, Born to raise the sons of earth, Born to give them second birth. Jesus is the Son of God who came to this world to reconcile all things to God and to Himself by making peace through the blood of His cross. Oh, brothers and sisters, my hope and my prayer for you this Christmas is that you would worship the Son of God that we would resound as a people in our hearts, not just in this room, not just when we are together, but in every moment of our lives during the season and all the year round, that we would resound in our hearts with praise to God for His Emmanuel, God with us for His Son, that we would praise God for our Lord, Jesus Christ, the Son of God and our Savior. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If you've not put your trust and faith in Jesus, I want you to know He he is here for you today. And if you would turn from your sins in repentance and turn to God in repentance and faith unto Jesus Christ, I believe you will be saved. I believe Jesus will save you from your sins. Second of